This is Novel Marketing, the show for novelists who aren't necessarily fond of marketing, but still want to become best-selling authors. All right, how about that new intro? I am Thomas Umstadt Jr. And I am James L. Rubart. And this is the show for novelists who want to become best-selling authors. So we have a couple of announcements at the end of the episode that you're going to want to stick around for. But first, we are going to talk about something critical to the success of this podcast. And that is, of course, is Thomas happily married or not? (laughs) First off, I'd like to say thank you to all of you who sent some really nice notes uh, about me getting married. Uh, This actually was the first place I've announced it publicly. So it's not yet on my public Facebook page, but I feel very close to all of you podcast (laughs) listeners. So y'all are the first to know. And I am very happily married. I'm glad to be married and I highly recommend it uh, to anyone who's thinking about getting married. I say go for it. Okay, so we've got the Thomas endorsement for marriage. I love that. I love that. That's right. Uh, and Jim, I hear you uh, just finished a book. I did. Well, I finished the, yeah, I finished my macro edits and I had a brilliant editor uh, on my last three books and she just gave me some really solid advice. I think the book is a lot better. So now I'm going to be diving into line edits pretty quick. So, all right. That's, I'm excited for you. Uh, this book should be, do you have a title? The title is The Man He Never Was. All right. My mind is bent a little bit already. All right. Well, let's get started with the episode. We're going to be talking today about author portraits. We have seven tips for best-selling author portraits. And first, I want to talk a little bit about why author portraits are so important. You may be like, oh, just take a snapshot and throw it on your book. But Jim, you say that that's the wrong approach. Why? This This is the wrong approach because it is the first impression. It is the thing that people judge you on immediately. And if the headshot is shoddily done, or it's a little grainy, or it's a little blurry, or you can tell it was shot in your backyard by your brother's cousin's mother's aunt's uncle, editors and agents are going to know about that. Even if you're indie publishing, the reader is going to go, they're going to judge you. They're going to judge your book first by the quality of your headshot, even before they look at the cover. They want to know who is this person I'm going to be reading. That's important. Why? We are relational. Humans are relational creatures. We want to know who we are reading. And if that shot doesn't convey who you are, you're in trouble. Yeah, a bad portrait can ruin a good book cover. If you look at somebody's behavior in the store, the first thing they look at is the spine, typically. Then they pull it out and they see the book cover. And then they flip it on the back and they look on the back of the book. And the first thing their eye is drawn to is the picture of the author. And so it's the third... Uh, encounter with the reader, and it's often what closes the sale. So before they even start reading your back cover copy, they're judging your professionalism by the quality of your photo. And it's not about being objectively pretty. That that may help, and for nonfiction, I think it helps more. But for nonfiction, it's it's not about being a pretty person. Uh, if you look at the best-selling uh, fiction authors, they're not supermodels. In fact, some of them are not even attractive <laughs> necessarily, at least not to me, and yet they have very attractive Photos And those photos are what make them likable and approachable and make you want to read that book. And so uh, it's really important that you have a solid author portrait. You don't just go and say, take my photo and you're done. Okay, so Thomas, let's get to uh, uh, those seven tips. What's the first thing that you want to do? Well, the first one's pretty important, and that's to hire an actual professional. I know, shocking, but your family members don't have enough separation from you to sh- to help you get a good photo. They like you too much. 
And they're looking for that thing about you that gives them a good feeling inside, not necessarily what is objectively a good photo. This can even be true about really close friends. Also, uh, we often are, have a bit of a blind spot as to the quality of the photos that our friends uh, and family take. Uh, professional photography takes thousands of hours of practice. And chances are, you know, your friends and family have only taken a few thousand photos, maybe 10,000 photos. You're looking for somebody who's taken millions of photos and has very good experience who can really take a good photograph of you. Because this isn't just a snapshot for Facebook. This is your face on all of the social media, on the back of your book, on every speaking website you do. Your headshot is so important. It's often the very first thing people see of you. I was at a writing conference a number of years ago, and a friend of mine who is a professional photographer was there, and I was about to take this shot of a friend of mine. She just she just wanted a shot because it was a beautiful setting. And my friend said, well, hey, just a minute, uh, just a, a few suggestions here. Well, let's tweak this, let's do this, let's do this. And in literally 25 seconds, she turned what would have been an ordinary, not that great photo into a really compelling photo. So Thomas is right. There is a skill set that is learned from thousands of hours of shooting photos to take that photo from a good photo that the rest of us can take into a great photo. And here's a quick trick to tell a good photo from a bad photo. There's a lot about it that you could learn, but one good kind of rule of thumb that you can take to the bank, and that is look at the eyes of the person in the photo. If you can't tell what color eyes they have, it's a bad photo. <laughs> so there's a lot more oh, to good. a good photo than that. But if they get the eyes right, if they are a savvy enough photographer to be able to figure out how to capture the eye color, they're probably getting the aperture right and all of the framing and all of those other elements that make for a good photo. So we're not saying shoot it yourself. Don't shoot your picture and you know, don't put a selfie on the back of your book. <laughs> Go with an actual professional who knows how to pull out your personality and your best look from that photo. Okay, tip number two is shoot the photo for your audience, not for yourself. Yeah, this is really important. So let's say you had two photos, one that you hate and your audience loves and one that your audience loves and you hate. Which photo do you go with? Well, most authors would go with the one they love because they're like, I want the photo to make me feel good. Well, guess what? That's not the purpose of your author headshot. It's not <laughs> the about author. them. It's not about us. What? <laughs> it's not about you. It's like the theme of the Novel Marketing Podcast. That's what we should get in the next fancy intro. It's like, you're listening to the Novel Marketing Podcast, the podcast that's all about it not being all about you. <laughs> Uh, so, But seriously, you want a photograph that resonates with your audience, which means that one of the things you want to talk to your photographer about is who is your audience? Are you right. shooting for teenage boys? Are you shooting for middle-aged women? What is the audience you're shooting for? And a good photographer will know how to tweak the setting and framing of that photograph uh, to reach that particular audience. Think about Stephen King. He is not going to have the same type of portrait that Dave Barry is. Some of you know who Dave Barry is. Very famous, very successful humor writer. Well, Stephen King's writing horror. Those guys are not going to have the same shot. So you need to do the same thing. You need to describe to your photographer, this is the audience. This is the kind of books I write. This is the feel I want to give. You are giving them the ammunition to create a compelling portrait that reflects who you are and what your writing is all about. 
Yeah, you want to tell your photographer what feeling you're wanting to convey. So you don't just tell them about the audience you're trying to reach, but also the feeling you want to convey. Right. And a good, good photographer is going to bring out that feeling with the lighting. So if you're doing, if you're a horror writer like Stephen King, you want very harsh, dramatic lighting with deep shadows. Whereas if you are a humorist, you want very light, friendly lighting. And you'll actually see this on movie posters. Uh, for different genres of movies, the lighting of the photos is going yep. to be different. You can tell a comedy film from two or three seconds of the film because the colors are very bright and vivid whereas if it's a fantasy movie the colors may be very muted um, and you don't even notice it because you're just trained to associate those color tones to um, that feeling of that genre of movie and a good photographer is going to be able to bring that in subtly into the photograph and it's all of these subtle elements that really separate the professionals who know how to do that uh, from the amateurs who are just you know pointing a camera an expensive camera at somebody and pulling the trigger. That's so good. Tip number three, bring lots of outfits for the photographer to pick from. Again, you're going to bring a lot of times people will bring, well, this is my favorite outfit. So I want to be shot in this outfit or I want it. These are my two favorites. Let's try one of these two. And you think you've given the photographer a lot of variety, but again, it's not about you. You might not pick the best outfit. Essentially you are, when you bring a lot of outfits, you are giving your photographer a lot of different paints to work with because they're creating a work of art in their mind. I am creating art here. And if you give them options to work with, they might look at and go, Oh my gosh, this is going to work so good with your eyes, or this is going to work so good with the background I've chosen for you. Give them as many tools as you can to create that portrait. Exactly. Some other uh, rules of thumb. It's a good idea to go with solid colors over uh, print. Uh, digital cameras can get uh, confused by um, stripes or plaids. In fact, there was, I, there was a photo of me in the newspaper. Uh, I was doing some political work and I was wearing a white and blue striped shirt. And the photo of me in the newspaper and the photo on their website showed me wearing a gray shirt. And I was like, this photograph is a lie. And I was like, it's the biased media. <laughs> and I was like, no. It's the fact that this pattern, the digital camera interpreted it as an error that it was misinterpreting those pixels, and so it blended them. It blended the white and the blue into a blue-gray solid color shirt. And this, you know, this was the main paper. The Austin American Statesman took this photo. They, their photographer was shooting with a very high-quality camera, and yet it was confused by the pattern of my shirt. And so bring solid colors or, or very simple patterns, and, and also in that same line, minimal jewelry. It's the same rules if you're going to be on television. Uh, digital cameras get confused by those things. You want to go with solid patterns. And you'll notice if you watch uh, TV shows, Pretty much everyone is wearing solid patterns. You don't see a lot of stripes. And if you do, they're very, very subtle so that if the camera doesn't pick up on them, they just kind of disappear into the picture. One other option is to bring a prop to use. Now, you've all seen those high school portraits, right? Where the prop just does not work. Maybe it's a trombone or even a guitar that's not placed correctly. But a good professional photographer can take a prop and really make it work. It might not work. But if you have something that really reflects who you are, your personality, your writing, consider that. A great photographer can take a prop and take a great photo to an absolutely outstanding photo. 
Yeah, if you're a guy writing literary fiction, experiment with, you know, having a pipe somewhere in the photograph. I think we need to bring back the author pipe photos. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> uh, but again, you're you're giving the photographer here needs to be one calling the shots uh, and taking the shots, uh, pun intended. Um, and so you want to give them options and better to bring the prop and not need it than to need it right. and to not have it. All right. Uh, the next tip, and this is a personal pet peeve of mine, is to insist that the photographer shoot in landscape mode. Now, if the photographer is old, as in they first learned to shoot in the days of actual paper pictures. So you take a photo and the only way to see the photo is to, you know, get it developed onto an actual paper photograph. Uh, it was very difficult to manipulate the image in any way. And so they would tend to shoot photographs that were narrow uh, on the sides and high up and down, a portrait-shaped photograph so that you could put it straight into a frame. And that made sense in those days, and that is the shape of the photo that's going to end up on the back of your book. But you know what? We don't shoot on film cameras anymore. <laughs> we shoot with digital. It's very easy to crop a photo. And there are lots of speaking websites where they will show landscape-shaped photos of all of their speakers. And for web design, often we like a much farther back photo with lots of negative space to the side that we can put text right. on top of. And again, you can zoom in and crop that portrait out of there. And you could do this. This is very easy with free software on your computer. Even web software can crop out a portrait of a landscape photo. So there's no reason to shoot a, a portrait shaped photo anymore. Because if you try to crop a landscape shaped image out of a portrait shaped photo all you get is very creepy eyes <laughs> it's you, the cropping only goes one way and so and this is another way to t kind of tell professional photographers from amateurs is the professionals are going to be holding that camera uh you know wide ways rather than up and down and they'll be taking that wide shot and they're like oh yeah we can crop out you know a regular shaped one if you'd like and it also gives them more options and down the road yeah, and these days with the ad advancements in digital photographs, you can get all the details that you need so you don't have to worry about cropping it down. It will still work. That's right. And the, whoever's putting together your back cover copy, even they can do the cropping. Everybody can crop nowadays. Uh, sure. All right, tip number five is to use caution with Photoshop techniques. So, uh, Jim, tell us a little bit about, about this. Can I just Photoshop, you know, Brad Pitt's face over my face and look like a movie star? Well, the, you can do that and you can take out all the wrinkles you've ever had, <laughs> correct? And make yourself look like you're 18 years old. And then when somebody meets you uh, in real life uh, at a conference or a book signing or somewhere else, they'll go, oh my gosh, in real life, you look so much older, <laughs> which yeah. is not a good thing. You don't want the first thing people to say when they see you is, wow, you look old or wow, you look fat. <laughs> like in uh, um, The Incredibles, Edna Mode is like, oh, my goodness, you've gotten fat. <laughs> the first thing she says about Mr. Incredible. Uh, and this is after, he, you know, he's lost all of this weight on his little exercise plan. Uh, you don't want that. You want people to be like, oh, you look just like your photographs. So, the, so I'm not saying don't use Photoshop. And good photographers will use Photoshop. But the idea with touching up a photo is that you want to look like your best self, not like someone else or not like a younger version of yourself. And so uh, there's a there are ways of subtly improving the photo, but you really have to be careful. It's like salt. A little bit can dramatically improve the flavor, but too much can ruin the food. 
And remember this, this is hard to do in our society because we are so obsessed with youth and we are so obsessed with beauty. But the reality is people want authenticity way more than they want to see a perfect face. So if you have an authentic photo and then they meet you in real life and say, wow, you look just like your photo. Both of those are authentic, you in person and you in a photo. They will like you much better than if you have the totally photoshopped picture on your website, and then in real life, you look much different. That's right. And it's a lot of it is about a genuine, confident smile. Right. A, a good photographer is going to help help you smile the right way through effective use of encouragement. <laughs> uh, there's, there's a whole psychological element of good photography, and they're going to help get that smile out of you. And the reality is people don't mind reading books from older authors. Uh, you know, we've we read books from lots of dead authors, you know, <laughs> who kind of get frozen in time at their oldest, right? It's about looking friendly, looking confident, and looking like the authentic you. My son is a professional videographer and a professional photographer. And Thomas is so right. I mean, he's so good at saying, you know, sometimes, because he does my headshots. Uh, and and we were we just did some recently here, some new ones for me. And Taylor goes, Dad, that was awesome. What a great smile. Now how about giving me a real smile, right? And then, of course, I crack up when he says that, and I give him a real smile. So Thomas is right. Having that authentic smile uh, is such a big component. Or even an authentic look in your eyes, that's that's what a great photographer can capture, the real you, rather than the, oh, I'm looking into a camera look. And so the money that you're going to spend to hire a professional photographer to capture that is well worth the money. All right. Tip number six is to uh, make sure you buy the full copyright to your photo. This is really important. So you want to be able to use the photo without having to credit the photographer because this photo is going to spread around the web. Other people are going to be using it when they talk about you. You know, somebody's blogging about you. They may put your photo on their website. You know, if you're speaking anywhere, it's going to be on those websites. It's going to be on the back of your book, reviews. It's going to be potentially on Amazon.com. And you don't want to have to pay a royalty to the photographer every time this happens uh, or put some sort of like photo by so-and-so that that really looks amateurish. You won't see any New York Times bestselling authors with photo by so-and-so. They bought the full rights to use the photo. And this is not hard to get as long as you negotiate it ahead of time. If you're on the phone with a photographer and they know you're willing to pay real money, they'll often concede on this point, even if they don't concede on it for other authors. In fact, I've got my uh, photo at a very high-end place that doesn't normally give out the copyrights. And I'm like, this is for headshots. This is a deal breaker. And they're like, okay, for you, we'll give you the, <laughs> the copyright uh, for the photo. And um, another suggestion is to pay for the the time of the photographer rather than by the image. Uh, the really good photographers are worth, you know, $100, $150 an hour, and it's worth it to pay for two or three hours of their time, plus any time that they spend touching up the photo later. Um, I prefer to pay for the time of the photographer and get a whole bunch of images rather than to pay on a per image basis because that can create some conflicts. Um, also, it can create some tax liabilities, whether you're paying for a service or a product. Uh, photography is this really interesting quasi mm. space where your local um, jurisdiction may charge it as a tax-free if it's a, sold as a service, but it's a taxable event if it's sold as a product. Is that right? Interesting. It depends on the state, and I don't want to speak to your state laws. Texas has a specific like clause in our sales tax about photography specifically um, to, to get rid of that confusion. But uh, most things are not quite so vague as to whether it's a service or product. Photography uh, is that sort of thing. Uh, and then finally, tip number seven is update your photos 
frequently. (laughs) (laughs) I, 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 when I went to my first writing conference back in 2006, there was someone on faculty that I had followed online, loved their writing. I loved their advice about being an author and teaching. And I was so excited to meet this person. And when I got to the conference, it's like, where, where are they? Where are they? Where are they? And somebody said, well, they're, they're right next to you, Jim. It's like, you've got to be kidding me. What happened, right? Because the photo that they used online was probably about 15 years old. You don't want to do a lot of Yeah, if you've had a lot of weight uh, change or if your hair's fallen out or it's changed colors, you got to update your photo to express that. Uh, so I recommend uh, at least once per book to get your photo updated or if you're incredibly prolific, uh, once every year or two, uh, depending on how um, rapidly your look is changing. But uh, the longer you wait, the harder it is to get it updated psychologically. If you update it every year, it's psychologically very easy because you're not going to look that different year to year. But if it's like, oh my gosh, five years ago, I looked amazing and I feel like I look terrible. It's not about looking amazing. It's about being your authentic self and being friendly and confident and um, having a photographer who can pull those things out. So hopefully this has been helpful uh, on how to get a good uh, photograph. A lot of it comes from working with a good photographer Um, So again, look at their portfolio, make sure you can see the color of their eyes, and uh, hopefully this will really help you increase your book sales. All right, so now let's talk about our announcements. Announcement. Okay, announcement number one. Thomas, what is announcement number one? We are about to hit our 100th episode, and to celebrate, we are having a live event On July 11th, 7 p.m. Central Time, it's going to be an online event, which means you can come and interact with us live. We will be answering your questions live. We'll also be answering uh, some questions that people will have sent in ahead of time. And this is a free event. We've never done a live event before in the history of novel marketing. This is a big experiment. Uh, Oftentimes, webinars like this cost money or they're used as a fundraiser for the – for the podcast. We're not doing any of that. This is just a celebration of crossing 100 episodes. It's been many years coming. (laughs) It's been a lot of work putting these episodes together. And it's fun to hear stories of folks who are going back and binging uh, on the episodes that have happened in the past. We would love for you to come. We will have a registration form at novelmarketing.com. You can sign up to come to the event. It's 7 p.m. Central Time. And the other benefit of filling out the registration form is that if you're not in central time, it'll do the math to tell you what time it is in your time zone. That helps. That helps. Are confusing. Like no, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm math challenged. So it would help, right. help folks like me. The other thing is, that's right. How do we do that? The other thing is we're going to post the recording afterwards, but the reason to come live is not only to get a chance for you to ask your questions, but we will have giveaways and bonus content for the people who are there live. That's right. We may be giving away a few free copies of uh, my book, Table Pro, and uh, my speaking events and my book, Progress. So if you've ever thought about uh, getting some of those and you want to get them free, uh, come to the live event. It may be your chance to win. All right. Second announcement. Uh, So we said at the beginning of the year, we're launching this five-year course uh, to help Jim get a new computer. Well, guess what? We now have sold enough uh, copies of the course to accomplish that goal. We're actually just looking at Max on Apple.com earlier today. And so very soon, we're going to be ending the Jim coaching option. So we had two price points, and one came with an hour of Jim giving you personalized feedback. Uh, Several people have gotten that already and have loved it. you're about that's about to go away so if you've been on the fence thinking about getting that that will never be available for sale again or at least we're not planning on having it uh, available for sale and the biggest piece of feedback we've gotten uh, on the course is 
wow, I can't believe this is so cheap. <laughs> so we've been thinking about it and we're like, you're right, for a five-year course, $29.99 really is too cheap. And so we're going to be raising the prices. <laughs> so We've taken your raise- advice to heart. <laughs> yeah, we're taking your advice to heart. Uh, we're not raising the price yet. So if you want to get in on the introductory price, uh, it's not too late uh, to do that. But soon the price is going to be going up. We haven't quite figured out yet, but probably $39.99 or $49.99 for the five-year course, which is still a really great deal considering that you're getting five years of coaching and mentorship and training, but uh, it's not as good of a deal as what you can get right now. So again, go to novelmarketing.com and click five-year course if you want to get in on the introductory pricing. You've been listening to James L. Rubart and Thomas Umstead Jr. on the Novel Marketing Podcast, giving you novel ideas on how to promote yourself and your writing online, offline, and everywhere in between. And thanks. We love having you as listeners.